Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 111, where in a moment, we're getting to grips with unusual financial phrases. That's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programs to date, we featured loads of stuff. Pensions, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we were chatting to our special guest, Jeff Woodger from Utility Warehouse about how to cut costs in a crisis. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could, rate and review us. For instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and with me as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. This is going to be good. This is almost my kryptonite, Phil. You know me, I, I hate acronyms. Just about every industry or sector has it, and second only to acronyms is what I like to call stupid names for stuff. <laughs> Famously, where we live in the northeast of Scotland, the offshore industry is the major player, and it's a massive user of both acronyms and industry slang to the extent that I have seen little books of translation published by several firms, not from English to Norwegian or vice versa, which could be useful. No, no. These books are to assist new starts in the industry when someone talks about Christmas trees in a meeting and is in no way referring to the festive season. Where's the point in doing a degree in something which will equip you and everything you need to know at a top level going into that game if you then have to go and learn an entirely new language simply to function? It's daft. And if it creeps into the world of finance with this podcast... You can be damn sure I'm going to stamp it and ask the seemingly fickle question in your behalf. So today's show, Phil, is a godsend for me because we're going to take some of the more commonly used terms which have crept in as financial slang over the piece and tell you exactly what they mean. First up, Phil, what, why do you think these terms are even in use? I mean, is it to make it difficult to outsiders to understand what you're discussing? I know sometimes you wonder if that is the, the case, but I'm sure some of the things have evolved over the years and you, you wonder where, I mean, there, there'll be some that will go through today and you think, where the heck did that come <laughs> from? It just, there, there's some bizarre sayings, some bizarre phrases. You've got, like you say, acronyms are so many of them in financial services ISAs, JISAs, it's just like so many different things and jargon. I, I suppose every industry's got its jargon, but that's one of the things that I like about the podcast. It's trying to put things across in simpler kind of terms rather than using all this sort of financial jargon and, and phrases all the time. So should be should be a fun show today. I hope so. Let's get wired into these then. Shall we start with your favorite? Dead cat. Bounce, dead cat bounce. What does that mean? I I first heard this phrase. I've worked in financial services since 1999. And round about then, I think there was a, probably no long after I started, I think there was a bit of a a stock market fall. And that was the first time I ever heard this phrase, dead cat bounce. It really is bizarre. But what, what they try to say is if you had a cat and threw it out of a top floor window, it would hit the ground but then it would try to get back up again and then hit the ground again. And and the what they try to liken that to is the stock market. When it falls sharply, it then recovers a wee bit 
and goes down again. So they're trying to say that's the equivalent of what would it be if you threw a dead cat out a window. But it's like you've got some sick person out there that kind of makes that up, have you? It just is crazy. Yeah. Let's just see if this is accurate, fellas. Let's drop a cat. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I remember actually once, that, like going on about markets going up and down, I remember sitting in an, an appointment with a guy that was supervising me years and years ago. And I remember, I mean, if if I was saying stock markets were going up and down, I would maybe say they're going up and down like a yo-yo. But this oh, no. chap who was my, <laughs> like my, effectively my boss at the uh-huh. time, he, he turned around to the clients. He's like, oh, the stock market, it can be up and down like a whore's drawers. <laughs> I mean, for, for anybody listening... That's like a prostitute's pants. Oh, as the, 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 it's just like, I, I would never dream of saying that to a client. But if I was saying the stock market was going up and down, I'd, I'd liken it more to a yo-yo going up and down. Or there's <laughs> that phrase, the old dead cat bounce. Uh, yeah, yeah, wowzers. Right, next up, a bull market, which on the surface of it sounds like somewhere farmers would trade their, their stud bulls to other farmers. <laughs> it does. But, but in the world of finance, Phil, what exactly is a bull market? A bull market, it's a... a colloquial term used in the financial markets when asset prices have risen or are expected to, to rise. And it's funny, I, I often, the, the reason I would remember it, because it starts with a BU, the word buy starts with BU. So that's how I always thought, right, bull markets are when things are, are kind of rising and, and going up. So if the stock market's shooting ahead and going up, that would be classed as a, a bull market. You, you sometimes see it's not there anymore. We've just had our office decorated. But I, I usually have a picture of a bull behind me. There's a, a bull on Wall Street. It's actually at the bottom of, oh, is it Broadway now in, in New York? And the bull represents like when times are going well, a bull market. And so that that's where the bull on Wall Street kind of comes from. Although it's not on Wall Street anymore, it's actually been moved to Broadway now. And then there's a bear market. Now, does that come about when financial people run, run out of bull? Not that I can imagine <laughs> that ever happening. Yeah, bear markets are pretty much the opposite from, from bull markets. So that's that's where a market in which share prices are falling. And often in that situation, people are tempted to, to sell, which again is probably the worst time to sell when things are down. You want to, if you're selling shares, you want to be selling them when things are doing better. So we're currently in a bear market at the moment. And it's a term that, Folk have probably heard numerous times on the, the news lately. So bear markets are things that, I was going to say, you, they, they're normally things that people say we don't want. But then for investors, bear markets are a good time to be investing. Yeah. And, and it's just human nature that often people won't invest now because they're a bit wary. I said an email earlier today from Legal in General. They said guesstimate. So, so this was a lot of caveats on this, but their, their guesstimate was that the bear market will end next summer. But again, it's important to kind of note that nobody can tell with any certainty when when that will be. But yeah, bear bear market is when markets are are going down and, and things aren't doing so well. Yeah, but I mean, as you say, I mean, the, the, the idea, if you're a long-term investor, and that's what you always say to me, is it's it's not about getting in yeah. the right time, it's about how long you're in it for. So it's funny, you, just, while you're, just, just yeah. while you're speaking there, I've actually just thought of another kind of financial phrase, you, you get what's called pound cost averaging. And what that is, is that's where you're, if you pay in monthly, like some people will invest in the, so if you had £100,000, probably now is a good time to invest because markets, right. if you're investing in the stock market, stock markets are, are down. But 
what, what somebody can do to spread volatility can actually be a good thing. Volatility is just a word that means things are going up and down, more up and down like a yo-yo, <laughs> as I would say. Pound cost averaging is where instead of investing all that hundred thousand in one go, you might think, right, I'll invest ten thousand pound a month each month for the next. 10 months and you're buying in at different points. So that's just another kind of, that's even just a financial phrase that I thought of just as we're kind of going through this. Yeah. The point I was making is if you're a long-term investor, you get in now and over the longer piece, the the idea is that you come back out of the bear market and hopefully into a bull market when everything starts going up and then you sell at the higher price and that's where you make your money. I think possibly one of the reasons it's maybe called a bull market is that bulls will will charge ahead. Well, they'll kind of just and I think that's probably where it comes from in the, a bull market is that it's when the market's raging ahead. You've got like a raging bull and it's things are, are going up. So that's probably where that comes from, I would suspect. Absolutely. I never take one when you're buying crockery either. That's always a, a good <laughs> thing. Next is, now, I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing these right, is... Is it bed and ISA? Is that is that the term? Yeah, it, it's this is a term. It's funny. I, I was going to do like a question on the show once, and then say, right, what is a bed and ISA, and then give folk three options and let them choose which mm. one they they thought it would be. But a, a bed, a bed and ISA, it, might, it seems like quite an obscure uh, expression, but it's really quite a simple idea. And what it is is. You sell investments that you're holding outside of an ISA and then buy the same investments back, but within an ISA wrapper. Now, ISA is an acronym. Acronym. It stands for Individual Savings Account. So that's See, basically that your, that's your sort of tax-free yeah. savings. So a bed in ISA can sometimes be done for like to shelter your investments from capital gains tax, maybe using up some of your allowances there. But it, it, again, let's say you've got £30,000 to invest. You might put £20,000 into your ISA. That's the limit you, you can put in. The other ten grand, you might think, right, I'll put that into the same fund, but not in an ISA. So you've got part of it just a normal investment, part in an ISA. And then what a bed in ISA is, is when it comes to the next tax year, you move uh... that other investment into the ISA. So that's what's called a, a bed in ISA. Again, it's quite a, quite a strange sort of term, really, is it? Yeah, it makes sense now that you explain it, though. And, and then presumably... Even if it had made money, so say it was it was now worth twelve k and not ten. Yeah, you still got eight k to spare, and that right. is ice. Right, got you. Yeah. Now here's what I think I, I might roughly get, but not its origin necessarily. If we're talking about being in the red or black, I think that refers to whether you've got money or you're owing it. For example, if you're in the black, you've got money in your account, but if you're in the red, it's bad news and you're owing. You're in your overdraft, for example. But as for where that term comes from. I probably guess like a roulette wheel. I mean, tell me more about being in the red or black. Yeah, please. I mean, you're right there. In in the red means that you're usually in debt. If you're in the black, that means that you've got money and you're not in debt. I guess for me, red and black, you do, you kind of symbolise that with like a roulette table, do you? Where you've got red and, and black there. I, I suppose being in the black, that means that you're not in debt. Whereas I would have always thought that if you're in the black, that's when things are dark and not so good. But it's actually more the opposite of that. So yeah. I'm not really sure where where they come from. But being in the red, that means to to be in debt, and being in in the black means that you've got money or got assets there. I suppose when you think about signs and things like that, red means danger, doesn't it? So red light spells danger. Yeah, probably uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. Here's the one I have no clue about: gearing. Gearing. What does that mean in financial terms? Yeah, gearing, I mean, it, it's probably the simplest way to describe that is when you borrow money 
to invest. So, so some people, it, it probably tends to be if you're a bit more speculative and, and I would class somebody that's gearing as being more of a higher risk investor, but somebody maybe spots an opportunity to think, right, I think this is going to do really well. They'll borrow money to put into the investment. If the investment does really well, they then pay back the, the debt that they borrowed. And that's basically what, what gearing is. Another term that sometimes comes up in the financial world is gearing ratio. And what that is, is that compares the total equity in a company to its total debt. So again, gearing is kind of linked to, to kind of borrowings there as well. Next, blue chip. Now, I've heard of blue collar workers, but blue chip, what's that referring to, Phil? Yeah, you, you get what's called blue chip stocks. So that tends to be shares in large and reputable companies. Usually it's companies that have had a long sort of track record of having done well, companies that are kind of, I mean, to give you some examples, companies like Unilever, Royal Dutch Shell, BP, AstraZeneca, they're all classed as blue chip companies. So so a blue chip is really like a, a company that, that's big and, and got a good proven track record of, of doing well. So again, you'll often hear people go on about like blue chip stocks, and that would be stocks in companies like BP, Shell, that sort of thing. Okay, a liquid asset. Now, to me, that sounds like a tall, cool pint, but I'm, I'm willing to admit <laughs> that uh, that guess is probably wrong. Can you define a liquid asset for me, please? Yeah, li- liquid assets are, are ones that you can cash in quite quickly for close to what they're worth. So perhaps things like shares and blue chip companies could be viewed as, as fairly liquid. I mean, it obviously depends on the share price when you're you're selling it, but people are, there's normally quite demand for shares and blue chip companies. If you had shares in some bizarre small company, they might be quite hard to, to shift. So that would then be called an illiquid asset. So that's kind of almost the, the opposite of, of that. Illiquid assets can sometimes be things like property. So if you've got a house that you want to sell, again, if, if you can sell it quickly and get full value for it, great. But again, some people, if the housing market's not so good, they might have to wait six months or a year to sell a home. So that's a good example of when a, an asset would be illiquid, which is the, the opposite of a, a liquid asset. Cash in your chips. Now, again, that's a slight gambling reference, isn't it? If you cash in your chips at a casino, it means you're getting up from your table you're packing it in for the night, exchanging your chips for actual money at the desk on the way out. So in a financial setting, I'm going to guess that means you're pulling out of whatever it is you're invested in. Yeah, pretty much. You've just about nailed that one Yay! just as, as it is, John. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like if, if you're winning at the casino, if you win, you would take your poker chips or chips from, from your winnings and go to the cashier to collect your winnings. And in and, and financial speak that that's kind of like the same if you've got an investment that's done well and you cash it in that's a phrase that can be associated with that so you've cashed in your chips so that one certainly comes from the the casino kind of world last of all here phil is fannie mae and freddie mac now i vaguely remember these names from when the mortgage market and the banks collapsed worldwide and those names related to it in an american sense i think but more than that I can't really recall. It was about 2008. Were those were those kind of slang names for mortgage lenders across there that went yeah, south? Fanny Mae and Freddie Mac. I mean, that's two two cracking names for yeah. organisations, is it? But where, where Fanny Mae comes from is it's Federal National Mortgage Association. So you're right, it's it's an American enterprise. But it, it's if you take that Federal National Mortgage Association, FNMA, so that's where it comes Fanny Mae 
it's a bit bizarre, is it? But it, it's quite a strange <laughs> kind of name. But it, it's an American government-sponsored enterprise that exists to help the mortgage market by securitizing home loans. And they, they're basically buying loans and selling them. That, that's what they're, they're kind of doing. And it is, it's quite bizarre sort of names for, for organizations. But, you know, e- even this morning, I, I was going through some emails. I haven't been in the office long. I've been off with the, the kids this last week. And I was going through emails. And the very first email that I opened, I mean, acronyms and financial service, so many of them. And it was going on about, it mentioned the FCA, so that's the Financial Conduct Authority, the regulator. It then mentioned the PRA, which is the Prudential Regulatory Authority. That's another regulatory body. It then went on about greenwashing, green companies, brown companies. I'd never even heard of brown companies. That was a new one on me, but I think- I don't want to think what they're trading in. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I think probably the best way to describe it, a brown company is almost the opposite, a green company. So green companies are ones that are good for the environment and maybe more ethical, social governance. We've covered that on podcasts. ESG, that's another- kind of acronym that we've we've spoke about in previous shows as well. But it was going on about all of that. And then it was going on about greenwashing. And and again, greenwashing is a a term that's coming up more and more in financial services. And that's basically where companies are trying to make it look like they're doing a lot for the environment, but maybe all they're doing is changing their logo green, for example. So, I mean, that that was the very first email that I opened this morning. (laughs) And then a couple of emails later, there was one going on about PCLS, and what what that stands for is your pension commencement lump sum. Basically, it used to just get called tax-free cash. So so when you come to draw money from your pension when you're close to retiring age, they now call it a pension commencement lump sum. But for for you and me, the best way to describe that is the tax-free cash that you get out of your pension. And I don't know, in financial services, they're just trying to make things much more complicated than it is. And then yeah. another one that I, I kind of saw as well was going on about protection and, and the protection market. And now for, for a lot of people, protection will be the steps they take not to have <laughs> unwanted children. It is in, in the financial world, protection means protecting things like your income, looking at life insurance, critical illness cover. So there's so many just different terms, phrases. If anybody comes across any that they think, oh, could you try and explain this? Just fire in an email to us and, and we can answer that hopefully on, on future episodes of the show Absolutely. as well. But, but it's been quite good. Some of the terms that, that kind of looked at today, some some crackers and some unusual ones, and it really is just some some bizarre sayings out there. Absolutely. If you're not one for acronyms, tell us the acronym that is bothering you and we will RSVP ASAP. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> now, did you uh, did you mention? I got the Fanny Mae. Did you do the Freddie Mac? Yeah, Freddie Mac. I mean, that that's almost like very, very similar to Fanny Mae. Freddie Mac basically stands for what was that again? Federal National Mortgage Association. Oh no, sorry, that's Fanny Mae. Yeah, Freddie Mac, the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation commonly known as Freddie Mac, uh. is a publicly traded, government-sponsored enterprise headquartered in Virginia. Well, so that's is. Freddie Mac. So very similar, I think, to, to Fannie Mae. But you're right. That was um, when the credit crunch came a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. They were kind of more heard of it at that point of time. But they, they've kind of 
under the radar a lot more again these days as well. Which is exactly where they would like to be, I'm assuming. <laughs> and let's do this bit now as well. Uh, it's Phil's quote of the week. This is the part of the show where Phil delights us with a quote on the relevant subject topic for the show. So this week, what have you got on getting to grips with unusual financial phrases, Phil? The quote I've got this week is from someone called Kingman Brewster Jr. Wow. The quote is a cracking name, is it? Yeah. Sure, it must be an American with a name like that, I would think. <laughs> I would think so. Quote of the week this week, incomprehensible jargon is the hallmark of a profession. <laughs> now, uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details in a moment, I'll give it to you after this. Hi, Phil. I was listening to the show when Andrew and John were on a few weeks back, and it was all about getting a mortgage in the present circumstances. There was discussion about the possibility of 30-year mortgage terms coming onto the market as a means of lowering the monthly repayments. Have these started to filter through yet? Yeah, they, they, most lenders will offer a 30-year term, but it all depends on your age. So, I mean, if, if you were, say, 60 years old, you're not likely to get a 30-year mortgage ter- or th- unless you were looking at a, a lifetime mortgage. But yeah, there, there's plenty of lenders doing 30-year mortgage terms. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more people even taking out like 35-year terms at the minute just to make their payments a bit more affordable. I mean, I, I remember the very first mortgage I took out, took out over 25 years. And then a few years later, I moved. I took it out again, started at 25 years. So even if you are doing it over, say, 30 years or 35 years, the good thing is in the future, you can change it. So it might suit you better to kind of have that term and have the cheaper payments now. And then if your wages rise in the future or gas and electricity bills start to come down, you can always review it and and change it again. Maybe after a couple of years of being in the property, you might remortgage or change product and at that point, I mean, if interest rates were to start coming back down at some stage, you may think, right, now we'll try and reduce the term and pay off more of the, the capital. But yeah, a lot of lenders will offer terms of 30 years if you need it. Some will even do more. I mean, if you're young enough and, and the lender will allow it, some of them, like I say, could do even 35 or 40-year or terms as well. Wow. Next up, here's another one related to mortgages, this time from Shona in Perth, who says, Hi, Phil. Up until about a fortnight ago, we had enough saved for a deposit to put down on our dream home. Fast forward those two weeks and our deposit is no longer enough. Is this likely to change again anytime soon or do we simply have to keep on saving? There are companies still out there that will do mortgages with a 5% deposit. But what we're finding now is that the interest rates are higher because interest rates have gone up the lenders have, have put their, their rates up quite a bit. And and also, there's still a bit of uncertainty as to how things will go the, the next wee while. We, we are finding that some lenders, for, for affordability, because people's bills have gone up and outgoings have, have increased, some lenders aren't letting people borrow as much money as what they had been maybe, say, six months or nine months ago. But I would say to Shona is it's important to keep in touch with any like if she's got a mortgage broker, it's important to keep in touch with them because they can keep them updated on the, the current market. What's called guilt yields, they've kind of fallen a wee bit. So that may help kind of lenders and help them offer better deals. But then there is a bit of an expectation that interest rates are going to rise. And they think the Bank of England base rate may go up again as well due to, to inflationary concerns. So it really is. It's just keeping in touch with your broker, see how, how things go. I mean, one good thing that 
if you're buying for, for the first time buyers, if house prices come down a bit, you may manage to get somewhere a wee bit cheaper. So then you might not need as much of a deposit at that point, but it's really just keeping an eye on things and, and seeing how things go over the next wee while. Mm, absolutely. Hope it works out in the long run, Shona. Yeah. I would you say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far. We might even have touched on what you're interested in. And for the most part, Phil, you'll back me up on this, most of the things that we've spoken about are, are still relevant. They're still sort of evergreen subjects, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of our... We've had so many podcasts now on so many different topics, and, and it's great because you, you can go back into them and just say, right, I want to find out about wills, for example. So we did a whole episode on wills. We did one on powers of attorney. You, you might have to go back a wee bit in the, the kind of back catalogue, such as it. 111 episodes now, but I mean, we, we've done heaps on a lot of mortgage related ones. Yeah. So again, I mean, things like if, if somebody was looking to get a better credit rating and better credit score, we, we did a long time ago, we, we did a show on that. We've done ones on reviewing your finances if you change jobs. More recently, we did one on on inflation. And it's it's great. There'll, there'll be some in there that aren't relevant to, to certain people. I mean, I, we, we did one I spoke today a wee bit about greenwashing and stuff, but episode 87 with Tom Buffum from Brew and Dolphin join us for that one. And that was all about responsible investing. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a really interesting show. That that was quite a popular one. But the great thing with these is if there is ones that are relevant to you, you can go in and have a listen. And if there's any questions, the bulk of them are still fairly relevant and, and fairly up to date. I mean, you, you get the odd thing. Sometimes tax positions change or... I mean, quickly lately we've had new <laughs> chancellors, new prime ministers. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, it's been crazy kind of times lately. So some things change, but we, we've done ones. I mean, we're, we're away to come up not far off Christmas time. We, we've done ones in the past, cutting the cost of Christmas. That, that was a really good one. There, there's some that's more relevant to, to more people and then others that are more specialist on certain subjects or, or different kind of topics. There as well for people. Yeah, oddly, it's Phil's show, but I've been here for all of them. Phil has occasionally no, been I off on holiday. I've been here for all of them. And my rough guide to you is they're all they're all fine unless you hear the, the words quasi and quartet mentioned, in which <laughs> case you could probably disregard those episodes. The, the only one episode, you, I think yourself and Andrew recorded was, one on yeah, the mini budget. The mini budget. That one now is just... I, I, we should really probably take it down because it's not in that one. I think it's, it's I know. It's not. I think um, everything in that got U-turns. Uh, so it was like, oh yeah. man, that's probably out of the 111 shows. That's probably the one that you think, then I listen to that one because it's now out of date and, and out of touch already. Well, yeah, no, actually go and listen to it and then you can forget everything that's in it because I just don't, <laughs> I don't want, don't want Phil thinking that when he goes, there's no point in listening to the know. show. I'm Joe Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 111 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance community on facebook phil's on twitter and linkedin as well or why not email phil a question he can answer on a future show his address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk that's phil at 
philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. And then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. 